experiences are gonna not only stay with you longer. I mean, do you remember the Christmas you got gift you got when you were 32 years old? No, you don't. But I bet if you took a really amazing trip when you were 32 years old, you're still gonna remember that. So the, the one thing you have to be wary of when you're when you're hauling a, a, a 42 foot fifth wheel is um, clearances and bridges and overpasses and things like that. And a lot of smaller roads, I mean, if you don't know about them, one, you could lose the top of your rig. We have our main business is our marketing and design business that um, we've had for, or I've had for 31 years and Rich is part of that business too. Um, I, I've been a graphic designer for 31 years and um, which is a great remote job, by the way. For us, I would I would say no. I mean, you can you can live in an RV very inexpensively. You can boondock a lot. I don't think there's anything about this life I don't like. The bugs, maybe. I mean, if, if you if you don't like bugs, do not RV. We're not old enough to retire or have any desire to retire. If we can make money on the road, you know, sustain ourselves, then it doesn't matter, you know, where our our, our home is, you know, and that's what allowed it to work for us. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Victoria Wolf, who is a full-time van lifer, or RVer, depending where you're from, and is also a gluten-free chef and a YouTuber. Recently, Victoria and her partner, Rich, sold everything to start their new life as a full-time lifer on the five-wheeler, and I can't wait to hear how that lifestyle is going, some of the adventures they've had, and any tips and tricks made for people who are thinking about it in the future. I'm also keen to get some ideas about cooking and gluten-free travel. Uh, as I'm a bit of a cook myself, I'm kind of keen to hear what she comes up with that. And finally, we're going to hear about their YouTube channel, which is called GF Explorers. Victoria, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing fantastic. Brilliant. That's great. So in your RV right now, where in the world are you? Uh, we are in St. Mary's, Georgia, which is uh, co coastal southeastern Georgia. Just we're like three miles from the Florida border. Okay. Yeah, I do know what that is because weirdly I've got some listeners from Georgia, quite a few. No idea why. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia's been good to us so far. So. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> state, isn't it? Like A lot of people tend to go there, actually. I've, I've, that's what I've heard anyway from Americans. You should go down there. It's nice on the coast. It really is. It's completely different than, say, the Georgia of, you know, northern Georgia, Atlanta. You know, it's um, it's it's like Florida. It's like northern Florida here. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, like, my European listeners, they're like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> there is. I mean, it's it, 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 when we first landed here, I grew up in Florida, um, and I haven't been back in a long time, which I, that'll change on Monday. Um oh. Uh, I just looked around and, the, you know, all the vegetation, everything. I'm like, this is Florida. This is <laughs> but it, but it's nice. Um, it's been really cloudy, though. Um, I kind of expected a little bit more warmth and less clouds. But, you know, that's OK. Go, you know, 
you take what you get. And... Yeah, it can't be helped sometimes. Uh, I do yeah. know what Cloud's like, trust me, being in Vancouver. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to some like states and stuff later. Um, but first of all, you and your partner, Rich, are originally where from? Um, Denver. We left from Denver. Uh, we're not originally from Denver, but we left from Denver on our, our journey. And that's where you met in Denver? Yes, we met in Denver. Yeah. And before then, where did you both grow up in the U.S.? Um, I grew up in the Tampa Bay area of Florida, and he grew up um, around Detroit, Michigan. Okay, cool. And was there any travel wanderlust growing up? Like maybe some holidays when you're younger, vacations, any road trips, anything that got the sort of travel bug in you or willingness to get out yeah. there? Yeah, it was um, when uh, my my when I met my first husband, um, he liked to travel. <clears throat> I was pretty young. I didn't have the opportunity to travel. And so we we started doing these road trips where we'd get in the car and just drive and go. And, and so I was able to see all, you know, all 48 contiguous states um, oh, wow. within like a two or three years. I mean, granted, we drove through. We were going pretty, pretty fast. <laughs> but I could say, hey, I've been to Idaho. I've been, you know, to this state or the other. And in driving, which driving is my favorite type of travel because you get to yeah. see so much and take it in and really feel like you've experienced, you know, where where you've been. And then I think we honeymooned in Europe. It was another whirlwind. I think we did like five countries in five days or something. But, you know, at least I had the adventure. And then after that, um, you know, I started a business and I didn't travel much, you know, from that point on. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of forgot about it. And then um, when I met Rich in 2013, he had full timed um, before um, in a previous life. And he he traveled quite quite extensively. And, um, and that, so then we started traveling together. Um, and what's interesting is in doing, making this decision that we did, I realized that down deep inside, I, I'm a nomad. I, I don't like to stay <laughs> in one place very often, but yet that's what I did my entire life. And so now I'm like feeding, you know, who I really am, which is interesting. So I guess that part of me was just hidden away for, you know, years and years. Yeah, I'd like to hear you on that because I've discussed this on the podcast before about the idea of home, for example, I've talked about that quite often, but this nomad feeling is quite unique and hard to explain to someone who's, who's not like it. Mm-hmm. When someone says, oh, Vancouver is amazing to live, I'm like, it could be the best city in the world, but after two or three years, I'm like, well, I need to go live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not Vancouver as such, it's just me as a bit of a nomad. You need a different, you know, something different to look at every day or to experience. And you, it, for me, it's like you, Denver, we'll, we'll never go back to live in Denver. I mean, eventually we're not going to be living in an RV, you know, for the rest of our lives. So we will, we'll land somewhere, mm. but I don't think we'll ever be there, you know, 365 days a year. We'll probably get out and do something and, and, you know, travel for part of the year. But um, I've seen everything there is to see in Denver. And yep. I've experienced it all. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff. I mean, it sounds a little egotistical to say, oh, yeah, I've seen <laughs> yeah, but completed I, it. I, I got my fill. I mean, I was there for 27 years. And um, yeah, Definitely. I had enough. And it is in Florida for 29 years. <laughs> so now I'm like, two weeks, we're out of here. I'll just go. I'm not spending any more time than I need to You know, get stuck anywhere. But um, yeah, I think the, the what you had said, the idea of home. Um, it's really hard for people to grasp that we don't have a home, but we do have a home. Our home, we live in our home yeah. every single day. It's just not, you know, attached to a piece of land somewhere permanently. Um, and for us, that's what home is. Home is wherever you are and whatever you make of it. 
Um, it doesn't have to be a location. And I, I think that if more people embrace that idea, they, they would, they would live life a little bit differently and have more experiences. And, but in society, you, you know, when you say you're going to sell everything and go live in a, a box on wheels, they look at you like, are you okay? Are you, you know, you sure? Yeah. Not? Cause it's so weird, but there's people you know, we live in an RV, but there's there's remote workers that go from, you know, Airbnb to Airbnb. I I have um, one of um, the businesses we have is um, publishing. We help authors with publishing their books to uh, to Amazon. And I worked with an author a couple of years ago and she house sits all over the world, mm -hmm. her and her husband. Yeah. And it's just there's so many different ways to live now. And and you just, you know, you pick what works for you. And if travels that, then you've got a lot of choices. Yeah, a lot of choices, and you are right. I say look down upon, but maybe it is still questioned a little bit in society. Uh, even yeah. my friends laugh at me sometimes when I'm off um, on a bit of travel. They just don't get it. But then some people don't like travel, so it's fine. Like you can be either way. But I spoke to someone on who the other day who lives on a boat full time. I mean, even that a bit like yourself, just on water, so they on land, right? I mean, even that. If you told someone that, they'd be like, "Oh, really? Like, what are you doing there?" I almost did that when I was in Florida, when I was married to my ex-husband, I had this weird idea and I just realized that now, I guess part of me, I wanted to do this. I wanted to buy a houseboat and yeah. we were just going to park it at the dock there yeah, in, yeah. In, uh, in, I think it was St. Pete Beach or something. And I just thought it was so cool because it was, it's so different. And then I thought about hurricanes and storms and the price, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't happen, but um, I think you're right. You do have to like travel. And I think you have to like change above yes. all. And you have to not need certainty of what's going to happen tomorrow, um, wherever you're going or whatever, you know, whatever's going to come your way. And what's interesting is I'm, I'm, I like certainty to some degree, but there's certain, there's certain areas in my life <laughs> where I'm okay with it, not having certainty. But if, if you need the same thing's going to happen every day, I'm going to come home mm. to the same house. It's going to look the same, you know, then this life or any travel life, I don't think would be for you, but yeah, different certainties. I agree. Yeah. I'm the same, but they're more trivial. I think I'm yeah. definitely open to change every day, but like, I would love a cup of tea. <laughs> now, oh, that's yeah. going to be an English breakfast tea with milk. That might sound <laughs> funny, but like, you can't get that in like in Asia, for example, it's a nightmare, um, like proper British English breakfast tea, tough to get. So like little things I would like, but they would never probably stop me going day to day, week to week, somewhere new, like those people you mentioned, uh, digital nomads talking about the place. So yeah, that's totally what I would love to do. hundred percent. I would do that. The only reason I don't do it is because I don't have a business to take on the road. That's the only reason if I had uh, a, yeah. a, a way to make an income where I don't need to be in one place, I don't think I'll be staying anywhere that long. I think that's the key. I mean, I know that's the key for us. We we're not old enough to retire or have any desire to retire. Yeah. And um, if if we can make money on the road, you know, sustain ourselves, then it doesn't matter, you know, where our our, our home is, you know, and mm. that's what allowed it to work for us. And the same thing for many other people that are doing this either in Airbnbs or or on in RVs is uh, that and the and the Internet, um, the technological advances um, in connectivity has allowed so many people to do this now. And I think, um, you know, it became, it becomes a little bit more normal because of COVID to work at home. It's it, yes. prior to COVID. It's like, Oh, it must be nice. You work at home or, you know, people didn't really understand it. But then when we were all forced to, 
um, everybody understood, hey, you can do the same thing. You know, you have a computer, you have a desk, you could either have it at the office or you can have it at home and, you know, be running your laundry at the same time or raising your kids or, and so that's less weird. But um, if, if we didn't have the connectivity we have, um, we, we definitely couldn't do this. So that that's probably the main factor that makes this possible for us. Yeah, key factor, again, to discuss is another episode with, I think, the owner of Safety Wing, Sandre. He said, as long as you've got internet and it's decent, the connection, uh-huh. the options are endless. Uh, yeah. And that is pretty much true um, to a degree. You think in this day and age that that's an easy thing to get, internet, right? Oh, yeah, of course. But actually, when you go to some places like Airbnbs or any parts of, like, UK or even Canada, there's, there's no service. It's crazy. Yeah, internet is fairly easy to get, but reliable, strong yes. enough internet. And so what makes it great for us is we take our internet with us as, you know, to some degree. I mean, we are still, you know, is, you know, are the SIM cards going to work well in this location? Um, Generally, they do. And we also have Starlink. Um, But if we're in an RV park with a bunch of trees, we're obstructed. We don't have our Starlinks. But but for the most part, you know, we're we're typically always okay. Um, And if that's, this is like the nightmare I have. Um, I, I, I'm, pulling into a park, we get set up, I, I flip on my computer, I've got the SIM cards going, and, and it's like nothing. It's like neither of the SIM cards work, <laughs> and there's a bunch of trees, and and then we're like planned to be there for a month or so, and then we're like, oh my God, we gotta leave. You gotta and, go. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, in, in the RV world, if you don't make reservations, like months, six months, eight months, a year in advance, you're, you're not gonna get in anywhere, you know, for a long period of time. You might get one wow. or two days a week if you're lucky. Um, especially in the areas that people want to be in. So that's just like a nightmare. Whoa. <laughs> like, that's I crazy. hope it never happens. Yeah, it is crazy. But that's how many people are RVing now. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you got to plan. You got to be a planner if you okay. want to stay for a long time. Yeah, I've got some logistic questions coming up uh, oh, in a okay. bit about RVing. Yeah. Uh, we'll come to those in a bit. But first of all, you and Rich, why did you make the plunge? What caused you to change, I guess, a previous lifestyle to the new one? Well, um, we had um, for five years, we had a gluten free baking company in Denver um, and we were we were doing quite well with it. But then unfortunately, something happened and we lost the business uh, early 2020, not because of COVID. It was right around COVID, but not because of it. And it it was heartbreaking. We had put five years of the hardest work I've ever done in my life. And um, and I and we wanted something new with the what's next. Well, now we're you know, what are we going to do now? We're, we're kind of the people that like to strive and have a goal and mm. and work towards something. And a couple of years before that, Rich had taken me to my first RV show. <laughs> I'd never even <laughs> been in an RV before. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. They look like houses. You know, I mean, I, I had no idea what an RV was like. And so we had been throwing it around. Yeah, maybe someday we'll do this. And um, I've always wanted to do it, even though I had never set foot in an RV before. I'm not sure where that came from. But um, and then we just decided, you know, this is going to be our next thing. We're we're going to make this happen. We had two years to plan. And we, we planned it all out and, and, and set off right around the time we said we were going to set off. So we nice. you know, had nothing to lose. It's like we had nothing keeping us in Denver. Our son had graduated from high school. He was starting to live his own life. So mm-hmm. we were free to go. God, a dream. I think for people, maybe as well for UK, I had someone ask me uh, on my social media, I put a thing up saying, any questions put in my Instagram stories and I'll forward them on. Uh, but someone said, actually, what is an RV? Now, I say it's a caravan from the UK, but like a big one, like a proper big one where it's got like, I don't know if you attach yours or you don't, but you can either attach them to a vehicle or at the front, there is the the engine, right? And it pulls all the caravan. 
Um, but that is exactly what yours is, right? Five wheeler. Yeah, yeah. And and RVs are RVs are recreational vehicles. Anything it, it really encompasses. It can be a Class A, which is a a, a drivable you know, like the big looks like a bus or a C, which yeah. is a smaller version of that. We have a, a fifth wheel, which has a hitch that attaches to uh, what has a hitch in the back of the truck and it attaches to the fifth wheel and it, you know, swings around and drives around. We have a very large fifth wheel. It's like 43 feet. So it's, it's like wow. a house. <laughs> yeah. I can see the view now. It looks pretty, pretty decent. I think it's bigger than my apartment yeah. actually. It, it's like well, 400 square feet, which is oh, about wow, it's close. Some, some small apartments. And um, I mean, we, we are not camping. We are not roughing it. We have, we have a washer and dryer. We have a dishwasher. We have a huge kitchen. I mean, we, you yeah. know, we're living, we're living like we're living in a small apartment, really. Except mm. It moves. It's on wheels. <laughs> we have a similar version, but much, much smaller. So ours is a converted Toyota Sienna. Oh, which is a bit, bit like a small people people carrier, mm -hmm. um, but it's been gutted out the back, so it's got a bed in there, and it turns into a sofa, and it's got a little kitchen at the back. So hopefully we'll be experiencing some RV life next summer. That's the plan when we come back from our travels. Uh, in oh, Europe. that'll be fun. There's people are RVing in so many different um, vehicles. It's you know there's vans. Van life is huge. We were yeah. um, at an RV park last the last stop, and it was a cargo trailer that oh, they. Wow. Had converted into an rv huh. and wow it didn't have a kitchen they it didn't even have a refrigerator on thing because they had these two big coolers on the back of their truck and they you just kept seeing them going out there going in the cooler um yeah but i mean you do what you got to do if you want to yeah. get out there so yeah 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 i'm looking forward to it. be a nice way uh, to experience life we won't be working though we'll just be traveling around but we are, we are going to come down to the us so i'm really looking forward to it because i think from what i've read and learned about us is built for it much better than canada um, I can imagine Canada when we're doing it, there's going to be swathes of land where there's going to be nothing. Yes. Um, yeah. But US is big, but I imagine there's more stops off and more parks to go and stop at, I think. Yeah, we, we have areas of land that there's nothing. It's called Nebraska um, and, <laughs> yeah. or Kansas. But for the <laughs> Sorry, most listeners. part, yeah, you're, you're always going to have somewhere to stop, especially with the interstate system. There's, there's always exits and stuff, but yeah. But there's a lot of Canadian um, RVers. We've we've run into a few. We've seen them in parks. Um, a lot of us go up to Canada. We um, oh yeah yeah yeah. Eventually we'll get up there. I'm not sure when. Um, Banff is someplace I I've been wanting to go my as long as I can remember. So uh, one of these days we'll get up there. Yeah, Banff's and Muffs. The the town before Canmore is probably one of my favorite places that I've ever stayed in actually, and I've been to a few countries. Canmore is a it's probably 20 minutes before Banff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just set a bit more in the middle of the valley. You're not in amongst the mountains as much. So you can see all around you, the 360 you the degree. The oh, view is yeah. incredible. Oh, Whereas wow. Banff is great, but you're in it. You're in like the mountain almost. Um, both great. Last time I was in Banff, actually, we decided to go on a walk and got told to turn around because there's a bear up there. So that was a pretty oh. interesting situation. Only a black bear, but... Yeah, but still didn't... a bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think in you that country, in Banff, you. you're going to get them still, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably can more as well, to be fair. Anyway, so for your RV life, what's the scariest part, maybe, of jumping ship, if you like? For me, it was a little scary. I had a lot of anxiety um, just riding in the truck that pulls the RV. It was really weird. I had travel anxiety. I don't even drive, but I had travel oh. anxiety. Um, 
and I don't know, it's all irrational. It brought up some weird irrational travel anxiety for me, um, which I've since worked through, but it, it took me, it really took me by surprise. I don't think there's anything about this life I don't like. The bugs, maybe. I mean, if, if you <laughs> if you don't like bugs, do not RV. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, no matter what you do, you're, you're going to get bugs. Um, yeah, there's really nothing I, I don't like that has really surprised me. I think the one thing that surprised me is um, how many people um, RV on the weekends, because <laughs> you you see that oh. in some parks, like some parks are more kind of weekend parks. And so because we're full timers, we're there for, you know, two or three weeks at a time and they come in on Friday and they leave on Sunday. And I, I knew how big RVing was, but to see, you know, families on, you know, just taking weekends and, and going and RVing, it's, it, it yeah. was really cool to see that. And it was very um, it was very interesting and eye-opening for me. It's like, wow, this this RV thing is really big. This camping and so, because I never camped or RV'd before, so I had no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any tips for people who maybe are on the cusp or thinking about it? Like anything you get in order before you make that leap? Um, I would just say, if you're even thinking about it, just find a way to do it. You're not getting any younger. Um, you know, there's mm. there's work involved. Depending on what type of rig, um, a fifth wheel. From you know, some people say a class A, you know, takes as much work as a fifth wheel or takes less. It depends who you talk to. But you know, you have to break down when you move, you have to set up when you when you land. Um, and there's a ton of maintenance that you have to do on your rig. So I we always said, you know, we don't want to wait till we retire to do this because I don't think we're gonna want to do the physical, the physicality of living in a an RV is it's not immense, but it does exist. So if you're thinking about it, just do it. You know, life is short and um, whatever fears you have, they're, they're probably not as, as as big a fears as you think they are. Um, it's really just living and mm. um, and you're going to make mistakes. I mean, we've made our own you know, mistakes and um, we, we researched a lot and that kind of helped us not make as many mistakes as we could have. Also, for like the cost interesting question is thought of actually Merrill who I interviewed he lives on the boat he noticed the cost was reduced living on a boat and you know the apartment costs the the bills that come with that certain taxes whatever it is have you noticed a difference in what you call statutory life in Denver to RV and is it cheaper to live this way um for us I would I would say no I mean you can okay. you can live in an RV very inexpensively you can boondock a lot which is um, boondocking is dry camping, which means you're not hooked up to anything so that okay. you you, know, you fill up your water tanks. Um, you have, um, say, solar so that you can oh, stay yeah. out longer and have electricity. Uh, we don't boondock because we work. It, it, it takes a lot of work to boondock because you've got to manage your resources. I mean, we already have to manage our resources on some level, and I don't want to manage them like that while working, you know, eight to 10 hours every day. Mm. Um, so if you boondock, you can save a lot of money, but most people, you know, well, there's quite a few people who boondock, but I'd say the majority of us don't boondock and you can spend a lot of money or you can spend a little money when it comes to campgrounds. Like we try to stay on a month, you know, over the month, spend about, you know, $1,200 in campground fees. Okay. Um, that's kind of where we like to keep it. Um, but some months, you know, like the place we're at now, the month is only going to cost us like seven or $800. But then when we go to Florida next week, that was our one splurge for for the year. And that's costing us like twenty five hundred dollars. Oh, wow. 
but that was a splurge. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's an RV park right on the water, close to, you know, in my hometown where I grew up. So, um, but we wouldn't do that all the time. And then there's a, a park we were at not too long ago where there was an owner's rally, our, our, our manufacturer's rally. And those sites are like $125 a night regularly. I would never <laughs> go there, you know, unless wow. it was a special occasion or something. So, and, and it depends if you cook or you eat out a lot. We cook 98% of what we eat be, because of me being gluten and dairy free. Um, mm. So we save money there. So we're not spending any more than we did when we lived in a house. But there's quite a few RVers that eat out a lot. So that will, you know, so you just got, it depends how you live. You can definitely save money. Um, if you're living in a 4,000 square foot house, I mean, you're not going to have those property taxes, but you also have to buy the rig and buy the truck or just buy the rig. So um, that may not be cost, but that's equity that you have that will go out. Or if you don't use your equity, you're going to have payments. So you have to take that into consideration. And then there's fuel. Fuel uh, has yeah. been um, obviously very high this year. And we're very thankful we don't move as often as some RVers do because we, we save on fuel because of that. Uh, we get, if on a good day, 11 miles to the gallon when we're towing, um, 10, okay. 10 to 11, you know, it's, you know, for something almost five dollars a gallon so there you go <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah. but i expect that to go down um eventually <laughs> i think it's coming down now i think yeah diesel um, is still hovering see we have a diesel truck that oh uh, diesel yeah and um and it it has not come down at all and I'm, okay. I'm not sure why, but it hasn't. And then with a diesel truck, you need def as well. So um, I'm just going to say, no, it's not inherently less expensive to RV, but okay. it can be if you try. <laughs> okay. And what about people like me next year where we're just driving around in our mini camper van, right? Don't need to attach to anything self-sufficient. Like for those people rocking up in RV parks or campgrounds, is it still pretty cheap for those guys and me? Like, I don't really know what the price would be to plot for a night uh, in these different RV parks in the US. So I don't really know what that would be like. Yeah, if you can do if you can do national parks, um, city parks, state parks, um, those are anywhere from 20 to 35, maybe 40 if it's a really popular state park a night, which okay. and, and some are less expensive. We don't do state parks much because most of them don't have sewer and we stay two or three weeks and we don't have yeah. to deal with, you know, getting, you know, dealing with that. And um, some of them don't have water either. So we, we always stay at parks because of the way we live our lives. But a lot of people will stay only at state parks. And, and you can save a ton of money if you do that because they are not really expensive if you're set up for that. So if you when you go out next next year, you can do a bunch of, uh, I guess, what are they, provincial parks? Or you're, mm. if you're coming to the U.S., they would be state or um, federal or you know U.S. Yeah. parks. We're also really, really big and don't fit in a lot of state and um, national parks. Um, but like if you had a van, if you were doing van life, um, you could definitely save money because um, most vans are, if you get, are integrated with solar, so you can do a lot of yeah. boondocking. You don't really even need a campground. You True. can just pull into Walmart or Cracker Barrel for a night. But if you did want a campground, you know, you're not gonna pay a lot. So. It, the way we live, we don't save money, but there are other, are other ways to RV and save money. And what you're doing, you, it shouldn't cost you much because you're, you know, you can be in the parks. Okay, here's another question then. For New Zealand, an example, when we uh, went for six weeks van life, there's actually three places. So not wild camp, they're not wild camping. They are campgrounds, but they're government campgrounds and they're free. You can give a oh, donation wow. if you'd like to. And they have, all they have is a toilet. Um, 
no showers, just toilet. And I'm like, ah, oh, I thought that's going to be the same everywhere. So when I interviewed someone this year who sort of camped around Europe for six months, her biggest cost, and I couldn't believe this, was camp fees. I was like, surely not. She's like, yep, yeah, camp fees, even more than fuel. I couldn't believe it. So I think I've been kind of swayed a little bit the wrong way because I don't think, you know, not wild camping, but in US, if you don't do that, there's not going to be any free campgrounds, is there? You are going to have to pay a fee. Yeah, here in the U.S., for the most part, unless you're boondocking, you know, wild camping, um, yeah. you're, you're you're paying something. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot of places, there's a ton of cities in the U.S. that have campgrounds that a lot of people don't know about that are so cheap that could be 15 or $20 a night. Yeah. Typically, those campgrounds will even have, they'll have a bathhouse, you know, with showers yeah. and bathrooms. They might even have a laundry. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more options here. So if you really wanted to, you know, RV... At, and spend the least amount of money as possible you could in the U.S. Maybe not in every state and tourist location, but most of them. And then there's something called Harvest Host. Um, it's okay. you, you pay like an annual fee. It thinks like $75. And so it's it's um, breweries, wineries, farms, golf courses. I think they just added another um, maybe churches. And so you can go stay there overnight. Now it's all dry camping. Um, but let's say you were driving, you know, 1200 miles to get from point A to point B and you didn't want to stay more than a night, you know, every day, you can find a harvest host every time as you go and stay there for free. You just paid your $75 annual fee ah, for that. And, okay. um, and they're usually cool places, you know, like I said, breweries and wineries. Yeah. Um, but as long as you, you know, you have something like solar, so you, or a generator or something, cause there's no hookups at all. So it's, but um, we haven't done a harvest host yet. We we um, we might do one as we make our way back to Colorado in um, yeah. in the early spring. But um, so many people use them. Um, another host. one called yeah. Boondockers Welcome, which you can stay two or three days um, with your membership at no cost. And those are usually people's homes or land that they have. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, you could if you boondock, you could definitely save some money. Wow. Okay. I didn't even know those two things. That's great. And also wild camping, is there different rules for each state or is it nationwide it's it's available to do? Um, you don't find it as much out in the east because they don't have a lot of land out in the west of the United States. There's tons of um, what's called BLM, Bureau of Land Management land, and they have designated quite, I don't know, acres and acres for, for boondocking or, or wild camping. Okay. Um, you can't just go anywhere out in the West because a lot of that land is owned by somebody. So you have to you know, kind of know where you're going. And yeah, yeah. And there's always Walmart. So Walmart parking <laughs> Yeah, lot. that's true. But yeah. that's only for a night or so. <laughs> yeah. New Zealand had the same thing. I can't remember the super store, the equivalent. And you can just go and park yeah. up in the car park and just use their facilities. Yeah. That is yeah. a proper way to do it. Okay. That's great. And also what's the, maybe the best thing about RVing in your opinion, the thing you love the most? just being somewhere new all the time, taking in a new experience. We, we like to, and one of the reasons we like to stay longer in places is we like to really kind of, you know, jump into the, into the area, the locale and kind of feel like we're living like locals mm. for you know, two, three, four weeks. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's always funny when we get in, we get in the truck to go somewhere and I'm like, oh yeah, you turn here and you go there. And no, if you go down that road, I mean, we learn the area <laughs> yeah. three to yeah. four weeks for here. And it's, and, and then we we both kind of feel between three and four weeks as though we're, it's it's time to go. It's like we mm -hmm. we've seen we've exhausted. or I want to say we're bored. Maybe we are bored. I don't know. Um, but we're but we're ready to go to our our next uh, destination. So um, we have. I don't think there's been a place yet that there was one place yet that we were at and we were only there 
not a, just two weeks and we could have stayed longer. And that was Chattanooga, um, which really surprised me. Um, I had been to Chattanooga years ago. Um, I didn't realize how beautiful it was. I didn't remember how beautiful it was. And there's just a ton of things to do both in, you know, outdoor activities, you know, things to see. Um, and it was kind of a cool area. So I think that's the only place we wish we could have stayed longer. But everywhere else, we're like, yep, ready to go. <laughs> wow. Okay. And is there anything about that you don't like? No, the, the, there's only, I think the only thing I don't like about RVing is I don't get to see my son as much. I think okay. that's the only, yeah. the only thing I don't like. But, you know, that's what planes are for. And <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. still, I mean, I don't get to see him every day. That's 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 the hard thing. So. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to ask you some adventure questions in a bit, but I've got some logistical questions in case people are wondering okay about rv and this is a question i've had for ages car insurance now the reason i'm going to ask about this is because canada for example even uk is the same you need a fixed address here it's based on the city that you live in and even the area about what rate you get in terms of car insurance but i'm like well if you're a digital nomad and you're dotting about in a, in a van or an rv how does that work well for us it, it's easy because we chose here here in the us you can um you can domicile in, in whatever state you want, um, okay. as long as you have an address, of course. Um, if you don't want to domicile in a state, you there's um, what is there, four states, Texas, South Dakota, Florida, and there's one other one I'm not thinking of, um, that you can domicile and not actually live there. And they, I, I'm not, I don't, we haven't done this, so I don't know 100%. I think they, they allow you, and it's like a state address or something, because you just have to go to that state one night, and so you can say, I'm from South Dakota. Ah, so what okay. we did is uh, my mom is still is in Denver. And so her address is our address. Got it. So it's like we still live in Denver. Our insurance, which we get through progressive, progressive. Yeah, there's not a lot of insurance companies that will will insure the rig and the truck. Yes. Um, and so they did. And it, I mean, it's not inexpensive, but it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be considering, you know, how big our RV is. But um, we just didn't want to not domicile in Colorado for the first year because we've only been out since April and um and we figured we'd look at it the next year but we're we're probably always gonna have our domicile wherever my mom is <laughs> and she okay. she picks up you know she gets all her mail yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah on our business I still have clients that send checks so they they send them to her she deposits them for it I mean she's she's been great mm. and um it's made it really really easy for us okay it's interesting the address thing is an issue because Having a PO box, uh, a lot of people don't accept for insurance mm -hmm. or for anything. Um, but there's UPS here who actually have an address, which is the same as a PO box, but it's an official address. So we found that today, actually, um, which is kind of quite key because we're going to need car insurance going off next summer, right? Um, but we're going to stop car insurance because we're going away for six months. So yeah, all these insurance questions are a bit of a nightmare. And when I looked at like the digital nomad insurance, like health and travel insurance, none of them ever include car insurance and i asked the guy who owns safety wing he said yes yeah, it's not on our radar but i'm like well why not because you could be a digital nomad in a van there's two insurance you've got to get like why, why is there not like a plan with car insurance as well maybe it's down the line i'm not sure yeah like, i mean there's more and more of us i think the the figure is one percent of all our viewers are full-timers and so and that's growing and the amount of rvs that has increased so it's growing more and more and um, so as the need goes up, I'm sure you'll start seeing more options. But, you know, we 
like I said, we're lucky that we have my mom and we have her address, so it saves us a whole bunch of hassle. But that's right about UPS. It's an actual address. It's not a P.O. box or anything. And I don't yeah. know if you could use that as your domicile address. I don't, I'm not sure. That would be something I'd have to look into. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, yeah. And also taxes. I mean, does that link to your mum's address? So you do, yeah. I'm thinking like US people pay taxes, mm-hmm. different states have different rules, which is a bit complicated, but you base your taxes in your mum's state. Yes, we we are we are residents of Colorado. Technically, our truck and our RV are registered in Colorado. Um, we pay Colorado taxes as well as um, U.S. taxes. Now, a lot of RVers that are full time who um, will domicile in those three states I mentioned, those three states do not have um, state income tax. Yes, true. So true. they're saving money there, where most of the all the other states have an income tax. Yeah, now, we gave up the the free income tax just to be residents of Colorado and. I'm I'm okay with that because our business is still registered in Colorado too. Got it. I just don't want to be a resident of South Dakota. I can't tell you why, but I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. A good example here for my European listeners who probably don't get this. Something I read about the other day is that Las Vegas, um, I think Nevada, I don't think they pay any state tax. I don't think. Um, they're going to have a new basketball team and I think they've got like lots of sports teams potentially going there. And they're just saying that the sports team could be based, for example, in New York State, where the taxes are quite high. But if they're rebased and they're based now in Nevada or Texas, for example, they're going to have like a massive pay increase because they have to pay like the extra tax. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's probably that's true. And, and I and that's right. I don't think um, Nevada has um, a state income tax. Yeah. Uh, but there are then there are some other states who do not have a state income tax. I think Washington state is one of them, but yeah. they don't have easy domicile rules. So you can't just you know show up there and go, hey, I want to okay. live in Washington, but I actually am not going to live in Washington. So that's that's the other thing that makes um, South Dakota and Florida and, and uh, Texas unique, that it's easy to domicile there when you really don't domicile there. Yeah, Texas seems to be the place to do anything easy. In terms well, of, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they take anyone, <laughs> yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's mental. Yeah, they yeah. allow a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what other questions I've got here? So, condensing your life, your previous life, into RV, was that a challenge? Now, I'm going through this challenge right now. We're looking at our, our stuff going. Can we backpack for six months without checking in luggage? So, oh, hand luggage only, forty yeah, liters max, pretty much. Going for that right now. So, how was that for you? Um, it was something we both looked forward to. Um, we, we were never people, or at least in our minds, that, that collected a lot of stuff, even though yeah. when we started going through our stuff, <laughs> we had a fair amount of stuff. And I was I was almost overzealous. I was so overzealous getting rid of stuff. My mom, the other day, she's like, uh, you still have a copy of my will? And, and I said, no, I think I threw it away. I remember what drawer yeah. was in. I'm like, this is all going. And so we uh we took it as a challenge to see how much stuff we could get rid of. We got rid of you know pretty much everything. Um we have a storage unit in Denver. Oh yeah. Um, about the only thing in there is um personal, you know, photographs, mementos, things like that, and um my paintings. Um and that's about it. There's no furniture, there's nothing like that. We it was very cathartic to get rid of everything. And you realize, and I, I realized in that process of all the stuff that I had, I only used 10% of it ever. Yes. Yeah. 
And and it's like, then why do I have all this stuff? Why am I paying? You know, why do I have a house big enough to fit this stuff? Well, I mean, I could pay a lot, you know, for a much smaller house. Mm. And even when in the RV, um, I'd say we use probably 90% of what we have because it is a lot smaller space. But there's still stuff we have with us just in case we may use, um, but not nearly at the level it was when we were in the house. Yeah, it's a real task, isn't it? When you start to realize basically the crap you've got. Yeah. And it's like, um, why? Why do I have this? It's yeah. that it's that mentality. It's like, well, you never know. What never if I know. need this? Yeah. And then I gotta go buy it again. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I we we both look at each other for most everything and go, well, fine, we'll just if we need it that bad, we'll buy it. Now the one thing we do have a ton of is kitchen stuff. <laughs> yeah. Have, and we had to leave some of that behind and get get rid of it or you know, and give it away. But our excuse or rationale for that is because we have a cooking channel, so we have to have stuff. Yes, of course. Yeah. And that's the one place I didn't, I, I, I mean, I scaled back, but I want to have the tools that I need for the job that I'm doing. And um, so that's the one splurge we had was kitchen stuff. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like, it kind of links to your business, right? So yeah, you can accept yeah. that one. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that kind of leads me on to the next question is, how do you make money on the road? You mentioned you have a few businesses. So what are those? We do. Um, one, we have our main business is um, our um, marketing and design business that um, we've had for or I've had for 31 years. And Rich is part of that business, too. Um, I, I've been a graphic designer for 31 years, and oh, nice. um, which is a great remote job, by oh, the way. Dream. And um, I started doing book covers about seven, about six years ago and fell in love with them. And so kind of transitioned the whole business to just working with authors. And then Rich joined the business a few years ago. And so he helps the authors with all the back end production work of, you know, getting their book ready for Amazon, getting them on Amazon, doing marketing for all self-published authors. And I do all the creative, the book covers, the book interior, stuff like Mm. that. Um, So that's our bread and butter business that we do all day, every day. Yeah, and then we have the YouTube channel and the website, which we're building into. We we hope to be <laughs> make money at it at some point. I think we make forty bucks a month now, and <laughs> and then the other business is, which I will say, it's the one thing that kind of fell by the wayside when we went on the road. Is uh, my art business? I was starting to build it up, and I I just ran out of time. But that's still something I'm working on. I don't paint as much as I want to, um, but I will get back to it eventually. Um, but yeah, so we, that's how we make money, um, through the marketing company and it allows us to do this and it's all remote, hundred percent remote. So makes it easy to do. Yeah. Graphic designing. It's a great remote job that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you definitely need internet for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've got a few more questions for logistics. Uh, you mentioned before maintenance on your RV, uh, repairs. I mean, how often is that? Um, it's, it's quite often. The thing about an RV is as the, in, in, in the community, they say it's, it's, it's a rolling earthquake with a tornado thrown in for good measure. (laughs) And, you know, you think about if you take your house or your apartment, right. And you put it on wheels and you drive down the road, it's, it's just going to shake and things are going to move. Now, RVs are, are kind of designed, you know, knowing that's going to happen, but at the same time, just that, that, you know, process shakes things loose, shake, you know, and, and can break things and wear and tear. And so there's, there's a whole slew and Rich does all the maintenance. Thank goodness. Cause I'm, I'm very happy that he does that. Um, he has a whole list of maintenance that he does um, weekly, monthly to keep to keep the rig in good shape and to make sure that, you know, we, we keep up with anything that could be breaking or wearing mm. out or anything like that um, from, 
washing and waxing the outside to going around and tightening screws that will inevitably come loose as as you travel. Um, we you know we have to re um, what's the word I'm looking for um, regenerate the the water softener. We have to clean the the on demand hot water system. Um, and there's things like that that come up. You're always um, propane is the is the fuel source for the furnace and the stove. Um, and the dishwasher and the water heater. So you're always refilling that. Um, they're 30 gallon tanks. We have two of them, but still, you know, we use quite a bit of it. Of it. And um, yeah, just that kind of maintenance. And then sometimes things do break. Like we had um, on my side of the bed in uh, the bedroom, uh, the roller shade decided to break. So that's, that's something Rich is going to fix. Now you can choose to call a mobile RV tech or take it to a dealership to get all those little things fixed. But it's time consuming and expensive. So Rich has the skill that he can fix all these little things that inevitably, you know, break. Yeah. Um, we've been really, really lucky. We have not had a lot um, go wrong with our rig and we're very, very happy about that. But, you know, as, as the more we're out, um, the more we drive, you know, things, things are going to happen. So you have to, that's the other thing. If you're going to do this lifestyle, you've got to be prepared for maintenance and a little bit of, of fixing because it's, it just goes with the territory. I second that because I follow a couple called Olga on tour. They're a Swiss couple. They've got a Land Rover, literally driven from Switzerland across Europe, Middle East through, they're now down through Africa. And the amount wow. of repairs that that guy at the tour is doing, he must be a mechanic as well. Cause he, he seems to know what he's doing. I can't believe, and it's a decent Land Rover, you know, it's quite new, no, not new, but like, it's not old. Um, it's been probably fixed about a hundred times on this trip. I just can't believe oh, the amount wow. of stuff they just have to, to do yeah, like it's, almost it's weekly. wear and tear. Yeah, it's yeah, wear yeah. and tear. And and RVs are, you know, they they things break all the time. There's a lot of wear and tear at the RV. So we have a an F three fifty dually. No, that's not that has not going to break. I mean, what's going to break is something on the RV. I mean, something mm -hmm. could break on the truck, but um, and there's a little bit of maintenance for the truck too. But it's really, you know, more the RV. And you know, the we have slides, and there's this. Um, the seal that goes around the slides that kind of keeps the the air and the bugs in and out, you know, so so you don't have like big holes on the side. You know, those things have to be lubricated, you know, every so often. There's other things yeah. you have to do quarterly. And um, I'd say it's more maintenance. Like you have to clean your air conditioners, you know, a couple times oh, yeah. a year because they get they get, you know, nasty depending on the weather. And and uh, we were in Michigan for um, the end of spring and the amount of pollen that we experienced was just crazy. <laughs> And so Rich had to clean the, the air conditioners. There's so much pollen built up in them. So okay. I would say the majority is maintenance. Less, less repairs, more maintenance, but a few repairs thrown in. Okay. Uh, another question is, do you have like a mini vehicle where you can like leave your RV and just go off like for the day? Uh, that would be the truck we tow the RV with. It's always unhooked yeah. once we get to a campground. So we have that, yeah. um, which it's a big vehicle for our everyday driver. You know, but, <laughs> okay. um, We've gotten used to it and we kind of like it. But a lot of RVers, um, if you're in a drivable and yeah. you're full-time, yeah. most likely you're towing some sort of vehicle that you have. Ah, Otherwise, okay. you would have to drive your drivable. You know, you're in your campground, you're all settled, then you have to pack it up and go to the store. Uh, Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for weekenders... You know, they, that's usually not an issue because they stay at the campground. But if you're full timing, yeah, you'll definitely need a, an additional vehicle if you're in a drivable. And unless yes. you're in a van, even with van life, th those are so easy to pack up and move. Most people that that are RVing in a van, they just they just take the whole thing with them. Oh, yeah, I think the one worry I have about our van is so small. It's going to be the space. I think we can make additional space outside of it. 
you know, like mosquito net over the top, all that sort of stuff. Um, which kind of goes into my next question is for you, you've got quite a big space, but is it still, you know, 24 seven in that RV? Is it still a challenge or do you learn how to like deal with the different spaces amongst like yourselves? Well, you know, what's interesting. It, it's not, it's never been a challenge for us. And you, you bring up a good point that we also have outdoor space because we, we try very hard to what we call chasing 70 degrees. So we, we try okay. to, go places where the weather is more temperate. Um, we're not going to be RVing, you know, in Montana in the middle of January. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so we have the outdoors as additional living space. We do a lot of cooking outdoors. We usually yeah. sit out there every night for, you know, a couple hours, just relaxing. Um, and, and so that, that, that's like adding what, you know, two or 300 additional square feet or so. Mm -hmm. Um, but we haven't had any problems being in the smaller space. I think we actually like it more. Uh, which is weird, but we are a little weird. <laughs> I have this, the same amount of space that I had in the house for my office, which if you can see behind me, that's that's a slide. I'm in a yeah. same yeah. size slide here in my, and it goes all the way across. So I, I don't feel like I gave up any space here. The living room, there's, it's not that, I don't think it's that small. The kitchen is a little smaller, but we have a full kitchen with an island in the back and, um, and the bedroom's a little smaller, but not too bad. But no, for us, I don't ever feel cramped. I don't feel like I need some space or anything. And he and Rich doesn't either. So I guess that means we're suited to this lifestyle. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know like different RVs. Like, has there been a point where they just had enough? I don't know if you met anyone who had just got to a point. It's like no, gone. Yeah, yeah. Some people and some people go on out on this lifestyle and they think they're gonna love it and they get into it and they realize they don't. And you know that's okay too. Yeah, if you yeah. Don't try yeah. something you don't know. And, um, but it's not for everybody. If, if you can't be 24 seven with your partner and not want to kill them, you know, if you can barely be with them like three hours in the house and then you're, you're, you're done with them, you're not going to be able to RV because there's nowhere to go. You know what I mean? There's a bedroom and a bathroom that have doors that that's it. Yeah. And I guess you could go outside and walk, but we, we don't have any of those issues. Um, so it's not a problem, but not every couple can RV that's for sure <laughs> okay and that kind of leads me on to the community that you might have built or been a part of like do you see the same people do you keep in contact with fellow lifers if you like that do you have oh, other lifers nice... i like that yeah lifers, right? <laughs> lifers yeah. we've been out here um doing this eight months now and as we go we're starting to meet more and more people that we do you know kind of keep in touch with um that's one of the great things about rv, RV life is you get to meet people you know yes. everywhere you go and everywhere, the rv yeah. community is so strong and so warm and welcoming and supportive and um it you know they become like you know as you get you know to know people better they become like your you know your family you've got my rv family and um so yeah we're starting to to have relationships and and build relationships with more and more rvers which is really cool yeah that's awesome that's probably one thing i'm looking forward to the most hopefully when we go um dotting around even though it's not gonna be full-time forever it's gonna be like four or five months but i'm hoping we meet some people That'd be quite cool. That's um, that's what we call um, most timing or some timing. See, I would say I say six months is most timing RVing, which means yeah. you go out for six months and then you go home for yeah. the other six. And um, or that could be some time. Some timing would be two or three months at a time. So you'll be a most timer RV. Most timer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Based on weather, which I'm going to come to in a minute, you know, Canada has great weather in the summer, mm -hmm. but in the winter it's harsh. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I don't see it as feasible in terms of an option to go anywhere else. But US, I imagine it's slightly different because you can go a bit further south. 
uh, and get a fairly milder climate, um, which yeah. kind of leads me to the next question of like, how do you decide where to go next? You mentioned the weather um, earlier, but how do you know what's next? Well, the weather is, is the main factor because, you know, we know, at, you know, around October, we don't want to be, you know, north of, say, the middle of the country because, you know, it's, it's going to be chillier. Um, so we're always going to be down in the south in the winter and we don't want to be in the south in the summer because uh, no. it's far too hot. So we really do chase, you know, 70 or so degrees. And both of us have traveled extensively around the United States before we've done this, seen a lot, been to a lot of national parks. So we don't have a lot of goals to go say, hey, we want to go to Mount Rushmore. Or we want to go to, you know, Grand Canyon because we we not that we can't see it again. Um, so we just pick areas that we haven't spent as much time in. Um, we have not, I have not spent a lot of time in the Southeast. So that's where we've been because we're on our way to Florida. That was one thing I did pick that I wanted to spend more time in Florida because I hadn't been back for so long um, mm -hmm. since leaving 27 years ago. But then the following year, um, well, we spent a bunch of time in Michigan um, over the summer because that's where Rich's family's from. Um, and that was intentional. And then other years, like we want to go up to New England. I think summer of 24, we're going to spend all, all that in New England because, we, you know, I've been there, but I haven't really been there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what how we decide. Eventually, we'll go up to the Pacific Northwest and up, up to Vancouver. That's probably maybe a year and a half or, or two years off or so. OK, that's great. And that kind of leads me on to adventures. So you mentioned there that you've been to pretty much every state on the mainland or you have been to every state. So what has been some of the most unexpected adventures that you might have experienced in your RV? Um, we we do we do have adventures. We don't have as many as most RVers because we work so much. Yes. But um, we took um, we took a kayak tour of the pictured rocks, which is in the, the UP of um, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which in my, it, it's like lower Canada, actually. It feels like Canada <laughs> up there. Anyways, um, there's this beautiful natural one, wonder called the Pictured Rocks. And so we could have taken a boat and seen it, but we like, no, we want to kayak it. And I, I had never really kayaked before. Um, it was one of the most magical adventures I've ever been on. It was one so wonderful to be on Lake Superior in a kayak and then to see the rocks up close and then go through the arches and stuff. And we were so thrilled with it. We actually bought kayaks and now no. we, we have kayaks and we, we kayak. That's um, great. We just got them. Um, we've been on what I think three, three outings since we got them. And on the last outing we, we were on, we, we saw dolphins were just oh. right by, right by our boats. And, and so we really enjoyed that. We've been on a, you know, we went to a bourbon distillery in, in Kentucky and that was really cool um we've seen gone to balloon fest I'm, I'm not even thinking about all the things that we've done uh we like i said we don't do a lot of adventures but um we you know we do we do some here and there we had lots of fun at hilton head oh yeah we went on a shrimp boat um oh. and went shrimping in hilton head where's that I, it's uh, off south carolina it's an island off south carolina okay. and so you go out on the shrimp boat they, they catch some shrimp and you know you get to experience all that and then the joy for me was um, they were popping the heads off the shrimp right there on the boat. And they like, they say, Hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm popping it. That was a, I don't know wow. there was some serious angst that got released there. That was fun. Um, <laughs> we, also, we also went to a kazoo factory in South Carolina. I mean, um, we do weird stuff. Mm. <laughs> wow. That sounds amazing. That shrimp thing's interesting. Isn't it? I love shrimp. 
Cool. Yeah. Well, um, we got to take some home to eat too. Yeah. That was, that was even cooler. Yeah. That'd be that insane. I the off of. <laughs> <laughs> you just squeeze it. You put your fingers there. You squeeze, and this is the coolest part. You then you you take it, and I didn't understand this when we first went out, but the seagulls were just hanging out by the boat yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I didn't put two and two together, but when the catch comes in, they're swarmed around the boat. So you take the head after you've popped it off and you throw it in the air and the seagulls catch it in the air and, and eat it. And I think I was having more fun throwing it at the seagulls than, than anything. But, but that was that was an experience I would have never had if I was still in Denver. I'm just so I'm thrilled with that. Oh, awesome. And any spots that you are thinking that you want to go to, you mentioned Southeast, but like any other ones that is on your list, if you like, for your RV? Um, I think, uh, well, uh, Palm Springs, uh, I think we're going to winter there next year. Um, the the coast of Texas, there's actually some, um, but they're, they're boondocking sites, um, but you can actually park right on the beach. Um, oh, I, I definitely want to go there. Um, obviously, New England and um, Minnesota. I have not spent much time in Minnesota, and it's absolutely beautiful in the summer, so I hope to get there. And then next year, we're going to spend more time in Wisconsin, which we were there for a very short time this oh. year. And that's a really beautiful state as well. And then, of course, eventually we'll get to California. That's that's a long ways, and um, I want to be able to spend some good time there when we when we when we do go. Well, that's actually my next question. Like the dream van life or RV life for me that you see on social media as well, but also what I'm thinking now is that coastal road all the way up the west coast. Oh yeah, Highway One. Yeah, um, yeah. I I actually have driven that way back in the day. Um, it was really cool. And I would, that is a goal to to take the RV and, and just t hopefully have as much time as we need. Because California, for the most part, you could stay there all year and not worry about weather. Maybe a little yeah. north in the winter might not be good. Um, and then, of course, there's the wildfires. We'll just assume they're not going to happen. Um, but to just <laughs> go all the way up and just, you know, spend two weeks here, three weeks there, a month there, where, you know, that that definitely would be. I'd like to go all the way to Vancouver and, and do that. That would yeah, be, be a dream. That would be a that would be a multi-month trip and yeah someday we will do that i think that's on our list next summer that's like one thing we've got to do we've got to come back here right to sell the van because we're gonna go off again so yeah i think that's the the natural thing to do it's just that yeah. you see like all these like camper vans you know the classic 60s ones and mm -hmm. people are driving them about and you can see them like they've got all the windows all around the van and they're parking up on the beach with a campfire it just seems a bit dreamy yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It, it 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 would be it would be cool to do that for sure. It's a, a definitely a slower a slower pace of life, which is not a bad thing at all. Which we strive for a little bit slower pace of life. Um, I think uh, we've slowed down a little bit now that we're in the RV, but we 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 still work a lot. We work the majority of the time, which we kind of <laughs> like that. So that's okay. As long as we have time to go out and do what we really want to do, um, we're we're okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Let's say tomorrow you want to go back to a spot you just love where would you go back to um most of my answers are going to be in the upper peninsula of michigan i actually okay. fell in love with with the area it's so beautiful it's very similar you know very i'd say very similar to to british columbia in many okay. ways i mean it's it's yeah. up it's up north tons of pine trees not a lot of people live up yeah. there um so it's wide open um not busy it's just the views are beautiful and Lake Superior is just amazing. Almost anywhere in Michigan I love. Um, 
And then at the Chattanooga was a surprise. I really enjoyed that. And I think I would like to spend more time on the coast of the Carolinas. Um, we were only there for three weeks. That that was good too. Mm. Kentucky was interesting. Where we stayed was good. I wouldn't go back there, but I would like to go into and explore Louisville a little bit more. We only went there a day um, for an art show, um, yeah. but I would definitely go back there. Okay. Another area that we would like to go to is New England. I think you mentioned that before. That's an area, yeah, so especially in the summer. summer. Yeah, oh. it's a very short window. But <laughs> oh, is it? What, what is the window out of interest? I mean, if you're going up to Maine, I mean, yeah. you can't really, I mean, unless you want a little bit of cold weather. I mean, you're looking, I'd say June or so, middle of June to get up there. And then you're going to, you know, depending on where you're headed to, um, because it takes time to get there. I wouldn't stay there past middle of September, maybe, maybe early October. Because there's always the risk that, you know, you're going to run into some weather. But I, yeah. I, I've seen some RVers that are have been up there into October, but I, I don't think I would do that. I think then you're just chancing it. It's like, yeah, I think we'll be early September. Yeah. Planning the drive through the Colorado mountains in October is never a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Because you never know. It could be a bright sunny day and no snow or it could be a blizzard. And it's whenever you're up far, that far north, it's uh, that, that could happen. Oh, we yeah, also yeah. want to go to Newfoundland. We saw oh, nice. a Nufi license plate in yeah. in Upper Peninsula, and it Rare. was the shape of what was it, Rich? A bear, right? It was bear. Yeah, it's a bear. The license plate is the shape of a bear. <laughs> so we want to go to Newfoundland and obviously Nova Scotia. Boy, I think we're gonna have to be on the road ten years now that I'm going through all these places. Yeah, we want to go. yeah you need to get a move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that east coast of Canada looks dreamy. So that's the on the list as well for Canada. Yeah, yeah, someday. Yeah, you got to go there. Do you avoid cities? We don't avoid cities. We actually kind of need to sort of stay closer to cities so we have the best internet, but we don't stay in big cities. We're usually in small cities that are near big cities. Mm. <laughs> Makes sense. Like here, where we are here, we're like, what is it, about 30, 40 minutes from Jacksonville, which is oh, yeah. a big city now that doesn't affect our internet but um but at least we have a big city like um and we don't we don't i wouldn't say we avoid cities but you can't really stay in a city in an rv there's not many yeah. city rv parks mm. um but we don't go out in the middle of nowhere either but we, we we have stayed in quite a few smaller towns which we we do like that because it's it's nice and quiet for working because one of the tough things is you're in an rv park and most people, many people here are retired, or maybe you've got some weekenders here, or some people on vacation, and so they're they're getting up and they're going and they're doing all this stuff, and we're we're working, you know, Monday through Friday we're sitting here working. So um, distractions are real, but but um, so we don't go to a lot of touristy areas or things like that because we don't want to be tempted because we have to work. So okay, that's fair enough. Um, any states that you would say are more RV friendly than others? I haven't encountered any non-RV friendly states at all. Um, so in our travels, and we've hit about 10 states so far, um, I wouldn't say there are an, a non-RV friendly state that I have mm. found. I meant that more like logistically, not like people. I meant like, oh. <laughs> is it just easier to travel in some states in terms of getting your RV on the road? Um, well, because the interstate system is throughout almost every state, mm. um, that that's why it just kind of levels the playing field. We we travel mostly on interstates, um, some yeah. you know smaller roads, and the, the the one thing you have to be wary of when you're when you're hauling a a, a forty two foot fifth wheel is um, clearances and bridges and overpasses uh, yeah. and things like that, yeah. and a lot of smaller roads. I mean, 
if you don't know about them, one, you could lose the top of your rig. <laughs> and two, I mean, if you don't know it's coming, sometimes there's no place to turn around when you do see it. So we use an app called um, RV Trip Wizard that we do all our routing through. And mm -hmm. it has it, it gives us an RV safe route. So we never encounter things like that. And then, you know, and, and some roads just are not, you know, they're very windy or very narrow. We try to stay away from those too. So we do a, a fair amount of interstate travel because it's it's safer, easier. You've got truck stops. You can stop up for fuel and um, it's just a better travel experience. Okay. And that kind of goes into the next question of like, is there different rules in different states for RV or van life? Like, is it all pretty much across the board the same? It's all uh, the same. I think there's some rules if you register your vehicle in um, in certain states. But as far as, you know, I, we have not encountered a campground yet that has, you know, presented rules that we've never heard before. Mm. I mean, it could be. We, I, I don't believe so, but I, but I don't know 100%. So I'm sure I'll run into something somewhere. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. And just before we get to your gluten-free cooking channel and YouTube and stuff, um, you mentioned every state that you traveled to. Um, not on the RV, but like previously, is there any states that you would probably say to anyone listening right now who's not from the states that they should go and visit? If you love natural um, wonders and you, mm. you love the outdoors and you love landscape, almost any state out west, but especially Colorado, Montana, Idaho, um, Washington, California. And even parts of Nevada. I mean, if you like the desert, then go to Nevada and Arizona. <laughs> but if, if you like trees and mountains, you've got to to see those areas as, as, you know, going up into Canada too, because they're just spectacular. Yeah. Um, and you won't see them things like that anywhere else on the earth. Um, and then on the East side, you know, like uh, North Carolina, Tennessee with the, with the smoky mountains, it's quite beautiful through there. Um, you know, New York, you know, with the, the upper New York, you know, upstate New York and Maine and all that, all those different areas. And of course, if you like the beach, go to Florida <laughs> or California. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh you notice i didn't say anything about the middle of the country yeah, yeah. what's going on in the middle if you like agriculture go to nebraska and um uh, iowa and uh, kansas but i will say this about iowa if you've heard bad things about iowa it's not really true. Iowa is my surprise state. Um, we spent a lot of time in Iowa with our other business. Uh, we were going there, you know, once a month from spending two or three, four days there. And I just fell in love with Iowa. There's something charming about it. It's the countryside is actually quite beautiful. It's very hilly. It's not mm. flat like Nebraska. Um, but I say give Iowa a chance. <laughs> What's the bad things that people say about Iowa? Well, it's, you know, it's very agriculture. There's not a lot of people who live there. When you drive right. the main interstate through Iowa, it's just farmland. But yeah. if you've come from Colorado, you have to drive all the way through Nebraska before you get to Iowa. Nebraska, farmland, boring farmland, in my opinion. I apologize to anybody who loves Nebraska. But um, Iowa is just with the rolling hills and it's a lot greener. And it's just there's just something really beautiful about Iowa. Okay. The U.S. is so big. It's it huge, so isn't it? I was, I was talking to someone the other day about if you lived in the middle of the US and you love to go traveling abroad internationally, it's going to take you five, six hours to get out of the US, going east yeah. or west, like before yeah. you're out your own country. Then you've got a heck of a flight to get across the water either side. Unless you're going south, I guess. But yeah, it's just. Right. It can take place. five or six hours to get out of your state, depending where you are in the state. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Big. Yeah, like Texas, if you're at the, the lower south, the southern end of Texas, and you want to go north, I mean, you got hours and hours across yeah. Texas. I forget how many miles it is, but it's at least two, two days to get. Oh, across. is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, two, unless you're driving 24 hours, it's, um, yeah. And Florida is the same way. If you're in Miami and you want to go to Atlanta, you know, that's mm. a two day trip. And that's just one state over. It's <laughs> crazy. Two days. You get to Scotland from UK, like where I'm from in six hours. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, that's what's so great about the Northeast is everything yes. is so close. Yeah. The states are also small. And also mm -hmm. Europe's like that too. You just take, you know, get on a train, you're in a different country. Um, but no, most of the US is like, you just drive and drive or a long flight. <laughs> Yeah, Europe's like US, but different countries. So instead of states, you've got countries, right? So it's quite right. crazy. At least you're somewhere experience. new. You know, yeah, yeah. Different culture, yeah. different language and all that. Okay. Uh, I've got to ask some more travel questions later for my feature. And I'm going to quickly go on to your YouTube stuff. So you mentioned you're gluten-free and dairy-free, did you say? Yep, I am both. And <laughs> as in general, is that just quite tough? Like I know, I think I spoke to someone who's American as well. She is that and traveling abroad is a nightmare. So how do you cope with, I guess, eating out must be pretty difficult, right? It is. It is. I've been gluten-free for almost 16 years and dairy-free for almost as long. Um, so I've, I've kind of, I've, I've really adapted. And again, like I said earlier, we, um, we cook about 98% of what we eat, which means we don't go out to eat. Now, I will go out to eat at certain restaurants where I know I'm usually more safe. And that would be um, Greek restaurants are good. Um, mm. when it comes to dairy, I can't do any cow dairy, but I could do some sheep and goat okay. and yeah. traditional Greek, um, like feta, um, is made with sheep or goat. So that yeah. that's always yeah. something I can kind of count on, but not every Greek restaurant has uses the traditional feta. So I always have to ask that. Um, but more Mediterranean cooking is typically gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, and the other thing that I know that I can almost always eat at, at a fine dining restaurant that's chef driven um, because if, you know, I'm telling the, the server, I'm like, I'm gluten and dairy free, you know, what can, what, what can we do with whatever's on the menu to make it that way? And I've never had a problem because they're making everything from scratch and they yeah. don't have a lot of pre-made stuff. So when I, you know, really want to go out to eat, um, we'll go to somewhere fine dining. Yeah. It's going to cost a little bit more money, but it, it's, it's a big treat. We went, um, for my birthday before the year before we left, like it was last year in Denver, there's an amazing restaurant called a Mizuna. Um, very high on fi fine dining. Um, we went for the, I think it was like five course tasting menu and then the wine pairing. Um, I could eat every single thing. There was only, and they even had the, they had the gluten-free pasta that they made. For oh, me. nice. I, yeah. I don't think there, there was anything they had to really even adjust. Um, it was just, it was one of the most fabulous meals I've ever had. Um, so I, I can go out to eat, but I can't, you know, I can't just like go get a burger someplace or go, you know, because I'm very sensitive and I, you know, cross-contamination is a thing. Yeah. So that's why we cook so much because yeah. I, you know, and we had to, I had to learn how to cook well. So I wasn't missing anything. And Rich and I, between the two of us, I, I'd rather, you know, us make a steak than go out and get a steak because, you know, we make it well enough that, you know, I a rest, you know, we're not going to get a better one at a restaurant. We might, but it's, you know. <laughs> it's going to cost you. Yeah. And it's not worth it. <laughs> okay. Which leads on to your YouTube channel, GF Explorers, Gluten-Free Explorers, right? I'd imagine. So is that yeah. just born out of maybe helping other people like learn how to cook gluten-free stuff and then can maybe like implement that into their lives or travels? Yes. Yes. It's um when we lost the, the gluten-free baking company, um, we had done that as, as kind of a, a calling that we felt like we had to share. We'd come up with these really amazing recipes for pizza and, pizza crust and breads and everything. And we felt we had to share them with the, the rest of the gluten-free world. Mm. Um, and then when that didn't work out, we still felt that calling and we're like, okay, well, we're just going to share 
recipes we're going to, and I've always wanted to do, you know, recipe cooking videos. So uh, we both do those. We started that about a year before we left out on the road and then we incorporated the, the RV lifestyle into it. And we just love to cook and love to cook for people and, you know, show people how to cook. It's just, we just love it. And so that's what we do. And so every week we have a cooking video and then we also have an RV lifestyle video. So we're posting two long form videos a week. And now we started doing shorts as well. Oh, yeah. um, we're having fun with it. How long are your episodes, the, the long form? Um, it depends. They can, like some of the cooking videos can be as short as 10 minutes. We try to keep those, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the recipe. And our RV, it depends on what's going on. Some can be as short as 10 or 15. And we've had some that are 20 or 25. It just depends how much we put, you know, in, in, a, in a video and what we're, what we're covering. We try to go sequentially, you know, in order, you know, of our experiences and where we've been. Okay. I love cooking videos. I can spend all afternoon just like looking at five minute clips of how to make something. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I don't know what's got into me recently. Um, it's so like, fun. It's fun. Yeah, we started doing uh, cooking shorts on YouTube and TikTok, yeah. um, boiling down our recipes to, to small things. And it's been, it's been fun to do. Um, and, and, and people consume content that way. Some people like the long form, some people like the short. So now we're, we're doing both. Um, just to, you know, hit all the audiences that we can and make everybody happy, I hope. Yeah, that's awesome. YouTube shorts is going to be key, right? I think I'm reading January, they're going to start sort of advertising, making money from them as well. So um, yep. definitely is the way to go out. if you've got a YouTube channel. Yeah, definitely. And, and shorts are so popular and people will just sit hours and, <laughs> and just scroll through shorts. And, you know, our, our as humans, our attention span has um, plummeted. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the last few years and shorts are perfect for that um but you know the, what, what we usually do is we'll do a, we'll do a cooking short and then we'll have the link to the to the full video or the full recipe so we don't we don't do any cooking shorts that don't have a recipe because if you mm. if you do like it and you really want to know how to cook it then you, you can get the recipe so. yeah yeah that's fair enough i have a coffee channel on youtube and you know the coffee episodes only five minutes long i just go to the, a new calf try the coffee a bit of information about it and a local area but the YouTube oh, shorts cool. are just way bigger in terms of audience. Oh, right? yeah, they it's are. mental. Mm -hmm. And it's like TikTok. I mean, TikTok started it and then yeah. YouTube caught up with their shorts. And I don't know, you know, who's who's, who's going to be bigger in the end. I think it's going to end up being YouTube. I think it's YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, too. So. They've got the biggest reach and search engine, right? I think it's at 2 billion people on YouTube, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, well, yeah. YouTube's owned by Google. So, you know, yeah, they, there you go. They own everything. Yeah. So, but, you know, because you, I think because YouTube has the both and the short and the long format, they're, yeah. they're always going to, you know, have the, the lion's share. But, you know, TikTok, so many views, you know, uh, you know daily and so many videos being uploaded, uploaded. It's just crazy. Are you guys on TikTok? Yeah. We're on TikTok yeah. and Instagram. So we do, we do all that now. It's, it's funny because back when we started the YouTube, um, when was that? April of 21, shorts were just starting to come on and, and yeah. TikTok was a thing, but I, I wasn't into the short videos. And if you had told me then that I would now be doing, you know, almost six shorts a week, plus the long form video, I would have been like, no, you're crazy. And I love, personally, I love shooting the shorts. They're, they're fun. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I'm like looking around every day going, whoa, that would be a short. I did a short of a bug that was on my screen and this little commentary and it, it got a decent amount of views. That's back when we first started doing shorts, but I had so much fun doing it. <laughs> like, I'm going to talk about this crazy bug. And then when we, when we were kayaking, we came across a, a crab basket, blue crabs, it was low tide 
I assume it was one that, you know, a Fisher person was going to come back and, and get it. And I just, I did this little short because the, the, the Thursday before we had blue crabs from the same area oh, yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. and we dropped those little suckers into the boiling water. And I kind of, I'm like, I am so sorry, but we, you know, <laughs> we might've eaten you your, your <laughs> people last week. And I'm sorry that you've met this fate. So I, I did a little short of that and I had so much fun doing it. So. <laughs> it's fun. It really is. Yeah. And if it's fun, yeah, you, you got to do it. But I also think it's key. If you've got like a YouTube channel or a video channel, you've got to do it. I think, um, I I'm a bit tad lazy. I chop my long format video up into shorts. Oh, uh, that's not lazy. That's, that's a good way to go. And actually mm. YouTube. Now, if you do it on the YouTube app on the phone, they'll automatically put a link to your long form. And um, we usually edit outside of the YouTube app. Um, and we'll, we'll shoot a lot of our cooking videos specifically for short, yeah. uh, not long, but that's, that's a great way to do it. You're, you know, you have one, one piece of content that you're, you're using two different ways. So yeah, that's really good. Keeping 15 seconds long and I chuck in the trending music and that seems to get some sort of people interested. I don't know how really how it works, but that's the, that's yeah, the, the trending music is, is really big. Um, and, uh, we, our, our shorts are probably closer 40 seconds to, to a minute. Um, we got to work on getting them down into the 40, the 30 seconds yeah. to work on that. <laughs> Cause you can't have music longer than 15 seconds, a little bit annoying, but it's just what it is. Um, so I try and keep them down to 15 seconds and also yeah, it saves time. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So all these different strategies, interesting. And how is it recording content every week? Is it tough with your full-time jobs? Um, it's challenging when I say we work all the time that that's why we do we're, yeah. we're either work, you know, doing the, the book work or we're recording something or Rich is editing or I'm posting or answering, you know, comments or something. But we we actually love to work. We're like, so we're a little weird. And um, it, but it's fun. It's re it's rewarding. And if we weren't having fun at it, then it would be a chore. And if it ever stops being fun, then then we won't do it anymore. Yeah. And so right now it's still fun. So keep doing it. Yeah, 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 definitely. And where can people find your YouTube channel and social medias and maybe websites as well? Um, we're at, at GF Explorers um, most everywhere on YouTube. I mean, on Facebook, we're at we're at the GF Explorers, but on uh, YouTube at GF Explorers, Instagram, TikTok. And our website is GFExplorers.com. Cool. And I'll put some links into the show notes so people can access them pretty quickly. OK, we're going to do some features to finish the episode. So I'm going to bark some questions at you. Show questions, quick fire. These are just more travel based. Um, I do kind of tailor them to the uh, person who's on the podcast. So this can be anything that you've experienced on your RV life or even previous travels before, could be internationally or in any of the states that you've mentioned. Uh, so I'm going to start with... Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store, with the affiliate link with T Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me. Displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. You mentioned three states to go to. 
But what about three states to drive through? <laughs> Nebraska, Oklahoma, <laughs> and Kansas. There you go. They're all right next to each other, real close. Just close <laughs> your eyes and go. <laughs> okay. I, and I apologize to anybody who loves those states, but that's just my opinion and I'm sticking to it. Okay. And three <laughs> countries internationally that you travel to that are your favorites. Well, I, I see. Um, France, France was amazing. Um, uh, the Netherlands, and let's see. Well, I was in Germany and I was in Luxembourg, so I'll say Germany because that's um, yeah. I was only in four countries, so they were all amazing. I, I've yet to be to, to to go to Britain. Definitely want to go there someday. So yeah, you could RV there, and it takes a day. Done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to go there and, you know, Scotland and Ireland and, um, oh, Spain and Portugal. That uh, That's probably oh, higher on the list than than Britain would be. And um, Greece is up there, too. Those those three, probably Spain, Portugal and Greece would be on the top of the list. Well, that's my next question is, are they the three countries that you'd like to go to next, if you could choose? That, that would be those. I want to go to Australia, but I think I want to go to those three because those are so food driven. Mm. And I think that's why I'm I, and wine driven. Uh, and I would like to go to Italy too, but um, I really love um, Spanish wines and Portuguese wines, and I really love South America. That's my favorite wines. Um, um, but I drive, but I yeah, I want to go for the food. And and the Spanish cuisine is very gluten free and dairy free, and they use sheep's sheep's yes. milk in most all yeah, their yeah. cheeses. So yeah, manchego, and so yeah, I want to go to the places I can eat. There, there, that's what it is. There you go. Okay. Next yeah. question. If you could pick one country to RV in for a year, where'd you go? New Zealand, I'm being told. <laughs> I was going to say Australia, but New Zealand, yes. I think, because they have hobbits. I had no idea what they were. My government was like kicking me all the time. I was like, I don't even know what this is, but I'll just go. Um, <laughs> but you've got to go there. Yeah. The green fields and all that. Yeah. 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 That's I it. think I would really like New Zealand. Yeah. And what about a favorite beach that you've seen? I've seen a lot of beaches. What's um I mean I grew up near the water in, in Florida, so I'm trying to think. Um I haven't seen a lot of beaches in California. So God, I guess I haven't seen a lot of beaches. I've seen a lot of beaches in Florida. <laughs> um I have a favorite beach in Florida um from growing up. It's um it's called Passa Grill Beach. It's in um it's in it's on St. Pete Beach. It's my favorite um beach. So we're gonna go with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm very particular about my beaches. I don't particularly like the beaches on the east side of Florida, but I like the beaches on the west side of Florida. Got it. Go <laughs> <laughs> well, you would love Australia. It's one beach after another. Yeah, I mean, I I love the beach. I just I we need to go to the beach more, Rich, because I just realized I haven't <laughs> been there enough. <laughs> Even though I lived in Florida for twenty nine years. Okay. Uh, Is a random question. Three states that are the best for food. I know you're gluten free, but that, that could actually play quite well, actually. I would say um, Colorado, um, Michigan, and what would be my third one? Um, uh, California, definitely. Washington, too. So if I could have a fourth, I'd put Washington. What about a landmark? Can be nature or man made that's been your favorite? My favorite landmark? <laughs> the entire Upper Peninsula of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna call it a national landmark. I fell in love with it. Um, I've tried, yeah, probably the Rocky Mountains, um, mostly in Colorado. That that that's why I moved out there. Yeah. I've just I, those will never. I'll never get tired of seeing the Front Range outside of Denver. Have you been to Denver? No. Oh, if you can get to Denver, um, 
Absolutely wonderful city, um, just fun city. And um, it's just, it's, you see the entire front range because it's right there, you know, at the foothills. And, um, but yeah, I don't think that'll ever get old as the, the Rockies for me. Yeah, that is on our list next year because I met someone on a podcast from Colorado yeah, called Lex. Um, yeah, interesting guy, but he moved up there, I think, recently and he loves it. Yeah. Yeah, if you can go, definitely check it out. Okay, and three, you mentioned Denver there, but three favorite cities of yours. Um, since I haven't been out of the country in a very long time, I'm going to say Denver, Detroit, <laughs> and <laughs> Chicago. Okay, great. Yeah. Do you drink coffee? Um, I used to. I don't anymore. I stopped drinking coffee. So. Oh, wow. Controversial. It was okay. kind of irritating. It was irritating parts of it. was irritating my innards a bit, so I had to stop. So yeah. I don't, yeah. but I used to. And when I did, and it's just recently, about the last three or four months, I drank um, the blackest coffee you can, the strongest coffee you could drink. Oh, we, wow. we, we, did, we do Nespresso, and I was at the, what, the number 10 or something, just straight up black. <sighs> Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to change the question slightly then. If you could pick one city in the world to drink a glass of wine or have a coffee, could be your, your choice, and watch the world go by, where do you sit? Uh, that would be Paris. If you mention wine in a city in the world, it has to be Paris. Yes. Okay, yeah, dream place. Okay, like, and let's go for a favorite walk or trek that you've done. Um, when I lived in Colorado years ago, actually before I met Rich, I used to hike. 14ers, which 14ers are 14,000 plus mountains. Oh, yeah. um, and I think I did six of them. And my my favorite one, even though it was the, one of the hardest ones I did, it was Mount Bierstadt. It was, uh, it's a very long hike and it's an absolutely beautiful view. They're all beautiful views, but there was just something about Mount Bierstadt. It was, it was just spectacular. Okay, that's cool. And I don't know if this will work, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. I normally ask this question for countries, but I'm gonna do states. Is there a state that's like great value for money in terms of it's a bit cheaper, um, things that, you know, gas, I don't know, park fees, all that sort of stuff, food. Is there a state you say is, is the best value for money? Um, Iowa. Iowa. Okay. Iowa actually is pretty. I mean, if you if you don't mind not being, you know, near major, major cities, having any sports teams, Iowa is great if you got to like winter. But from um, Tennessee actually has attracted quite a few people in the last few years. And um, the cost of living is reasonable. Housing is reasonable. And it's and it's a beautiful state. So I would probably say, seriously, you know, Tennessee would would be that. And even northern Georgia, too, has um, attracted quite a few people from out of state. All the southeast, a lot of a lot of people used to live in you know the west or even in northeast are, are going to the southeast. So oh, interesting. OK. A few more questions left, and this one's going to be three top tips for someone to go into RV life. Um, the first one would be research. <laughs> the second one would um, would be when you're when you're trying to decide what what rig you're going to buy, instead of saying, "Oh, it has this, it has that. I'll like this, I'll like that." Actually, visualize yourself, you and your partner, you and your family, whatever it is, living day to day in the RV. How are you going to live? Do you see yourself, you know, where are you going to sit in the living room? Are you going to like to sit there all the time? Um, are you going to, you know, how are you going to cook in the kitchen? How are you going to do laundry if you have laundry or, you know, all those things actually visualize yourself. That Rich and I did that. And that's how we knew that this one that we picked was the one. Um, quite a few people 
that start out RVing, they'll start out in one rig and in, by the end of the, the first year or less, they're into a different rig because they didn't make the, you know, the choice they want, you know, they thought they were making a good choice, but it turned out not to be. And we wanted mm -hmm. to avoid that. Um, so you have to actually really visualize and see yourself living in, in the rig. And the third thing is um, be, be handy. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that one of you can, it can fix things and, 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 and maintain things. Those would probably be the three things. Okay. And the last question is normally for travel, but it can be RV life as well. If you were to give some like words of wisdom as to why someone should go and do it, RV life or travel can be either, either or, why should they go and make that leap and make that change? Experiences are going to not only stay with you longer. I mean, do you remember the Christmas you got gift you got when you were 32 years old? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> But I bet if you took a really amazing trip when you were 32 years old, you're still going to remember that. Mm -hmm. And not, not only do they stay with you, they, they travel enriches your life. It makes you a better person. It makes you a more rounded person. It, it helps you to see the world and see your fellow human beings in a different way. And I think it brings us closer together. Those who travel under, understand the world in a little bit different way than people who don't travel. And I don't say that because I'm, you know, elitist or better. It's, it's just, it travel is humbling in many ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that as humans, we all need a little more of that. And um, I think it breeds empathy. It breeds understanding. And I think, and, you know, we all need a, a little bit more of that. And so, <laughs> you know, travel is the, I think in my mind, the, the best thing you can do in, in life. And I think you're shortchanging your life if you don't, but like my mom, she don't want to go anywhere. She's happy yeah. in her house and, mm. and Rich's mom's the same way. He actually bought her a trip to Paris before I knew him and said, mom, I'm taking you to Paris for a trip. Mm -hmm. Flatly declined, would not go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some people that yeah. just don't travel. I don't know if it's from fear or just, not wanting to see things but um if you're on the fence then just go travel if you know if you're firmly committed to a no travel life then nothing i'm going to tell you is going to change that but if you're unsure that you know travel of any shape rv whatever travel you do is it, it might be something you like i said just stop asking just do just go weirdly you said 32 years old christmas for me that was last year and we went to the Yukon in Canada, so right at the top near Alaska. Oh, you're not going to forget that. And it was Northern Lights. Yeah, yeah. Went out into this frozen lake and saw Northern Lights. That's our Christmas present. Not not a gift, not anything special in terms of that. It was getting out at, what, half midnight, 1am with the Airbnb host on a snowmobile and his shotgun and driving out to his frozen lake. I'll tell you what, bloody cold. And I'm, I'm, not, ta I'm not talking nippy, I'm talking... Like you have to put leggings on, t-shirts on, coats on, the whole lot. You can't just nip out. Um, but yeah, great, great experience, and definitely won't forget it. So that's no, you won't forget that for the rest of your life. And and that's what that's what travel does for you. It's something that it. I think travel becomes part of you. It changes you and becomes part mm. of who you are. And I, I I like that about it. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, Victoria, thanks for coming to the podcast. It's been a great chat. I've learned so much about <laughs> RV life, what it's like to do that. The experiences you've had, the, the decisions that you've made, all this stuff is going to be super valuable to my listeners. So, really appreciate you coming on to make time. Thank you. I've had tons of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram 
at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.